You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about spiritualism, we talk about art, we talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, mediocrity, and meritocracy. We do sometimes talk about sexual assault, suicidal ideation, trauma, and whatnot. Yeah, we go there. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid, sacred life. Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you want to confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on Self-Worst Hey, stupid. How you doing? It's another week. It's another month. It's August now. How about that shit? We made it. I guess. To August. We did it. Eight months into this shitty year that we thought was going to be bad. It's kind of better than last year, but kind of not. You know, you feel me? It's just sort of, ugh, eh, eh. I mean, I'd take this over last year, but this is still kind of a mess. Ugh. That's what I'm feeling. I don't know. Did get a go. I went to go to a show. We still, you know, we still get to go to shows sometimes. Went and saw a friend of the show, former guest Whitmer Thomas. He's in town. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, and if you missed it, if you live in the New York metro area and you miss, uh, that's on you. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I If you've been listening to the show and you've been following Whitmer like I told you to do, you'd know that he was playing Union Hall and you could have gone. Unless you were there. And then, maybe you didn't see me. Maybe you didn't want to come talk to me. I don't, I'm not going to take it personal. But it's all right. You know, you can come say hi if you were there and you're a fan of the show. I know it's not about me. It was a Whitmer night. Anyway, we wore masks indoors. Not everybody did. But about half the people now are doing it. Maybe more. That's fun. It's not the worst thing, but you know, it's it's a doable thing. We're going back to all of that. That's cool. Going back to getting tested every, you know, couple of weeks. Going back to getting tested after every time I go to one of these things or every time we have someone over. Uh, we record, Mary and I recorded this, my guest recorded this in person, this episode. Um, and we, we went and got rapid tests beforehand just to make sure. That's fun. Yeah, we all miss that waiting in line for a uh, for a COVID test on the regs. Yeah, gotta say, didn't miss that. Did not have a whole lot of nostalgia for that shit. But here we are. Thanks to all you fucking unvaccinated folks out there. Just gonna throw a little shade your way. Sorry. I don't like you. I'm not happy with you. 
Hey, hey, do what you want, I guess. Free country. Can't fucking force you to do it, but uh, you're going to get some smoke. I don't care. You're making fucking variants. Making the rest of us who've done our due diligence go back to doing all of this shit. And now you're going to whine about having to show a vax card to go eat indoors. Fuck you. Suck my dick, crybaby. That's what I... That's what I think. Stupid ass variant. You fucking goddamn fucking Delta variant. Fuck! I'm frustrated with it. I'm frustrated with people this week. I'm just frustrated. This is all very frustrating. I think we're all feeling that. I think we're feeling kind of confused. I think we're feeling kind of like, what should we be doing? Because the seat is like hour to hour. The rules keep changing. It's really fucking annoying and frustrating and frightening. Creepy, I guess. I ain't scared, necessarily, but I'm like, God, what? Why am I, okay, what am I supposed to do? Jesus Christ. So anyway, get vaccinated if you haven't. Sorry to virtue signal on my podcast. Sorry to make this about you. I didn't come to hear your opinions on stuff. I do it alone with my body. Okay. Hope you don't die of COVID. I'll fucking kill you myself. Anyway, this week, we're talking to my dear friends, old friends, Mary Aliska, aka FKA, formerly known as Mary Dorn. Mary Dorn Aliska. Mary Aliska. We talk about the name change. It's not important. It's not super important. It's, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, she, Mary, is a photographer. That's how I've known her for a long time. Uh, she she takes great photos, usually at events. She'll she'll come and shoot your your party, your comedy show, your whatever you're doing, and she'll make you look cool. She'll make you look smart. She'll make you look great and sexy and attractive and fuckable. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what everybody wants? She can do that for you. For reasonable rates. Check her out. She's really good at what she does. She takes good photos of people. She's very nice. Um, And don't uh, hire a real photographer. Don't be like, oh, the iPhone has got a 4K camera in it. Nobody can tell the difference anymore. You can shoot, look look at the iPhone billboards, and it's like an impressive uh, sunrise picture. And that was shot on an iPhone. I don't need a... No, you need a photographer with a real camera. Grow up. I'm salty this morning. I'm just, I don't know, I've been up early. You know my routine. I get up early. I edit this podcast. I record the intro. I release it last minute on Thursday morning. We got a move coming up. That's stressful. I'm excited about the new place. It's going to be nice. Backyard and all that. Like I said, ugh, I am moving fucking. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about Mary, though. Because she's a photographer and she is a podcaster. How about that shit? I didn't even know. I had no idea 
she just started dropping a podcast. And I was like, Mary Mary dropping a podcast? Photography Mary. She, she's doing a podcast. Okay. Had no idea. It's called the Bapcast. Uh, we'll, we talk about that like at the very front of the interview. I won't you know go into it. It'll be redundant. So uh, that's all. Uh, housekeeping. Rate and review on iTunes. Help us out. Give us a five-star rating. Write whatever you want in the subject line. Take 30 seconds and do it. Come on. Help me out. It helps boost our rankings. It helps get more ears to the show. Maybe one day I, I will be somewhere ranked in the like, wow, look, there's this podcast actually exists. You know, page on iTunes or something. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is one messy app. They won't even update my album artwork or my, my podcast artwork. It's just, God, sucks. Anyway, calling you out, Apple Podcasts. Get your shit together. Anyway, rate and review us. That would be very cool of you. That would that would help me out a lot. That would help me gain more followers, more uh, apostles, and uh, everybody wants that. Uh, you can follow me at Radical Pearson on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at Self Worst on Instagram. Patreon.com slash selfworst. Help me out uh, financially. Well, it's a dollar a month and you get bonus content. Mm. Anyway, that's about all I had to say. I'm going to see you on the other side of this interview with my good friend, Mary Aliska. Dottie's here. She's going to sit at our feet. Dottie! She's doing okay. This is usually what she does. She just sits here, and she's very stoic about it. Mm. Keeping watch. Yeah. Making sure everything goes according to plan. Pretty much. She just, she'll just, she's not a super affectionate dog, but she just, like, follows us from room to room and just sits at our feet. And that's, like, just sort of, she just, yeah, she's just present. She just wants to sit. She's like, uh, what's that lady's name? Maria Abramovic? Abramovic? Mm-hmm. The, the, the artist is present. Yeah. Where she just like sits there and stares at you across the room. <laughs> she's that lady. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. Lovely. She just like makes like really but in intense an artistic way. Yeah. eye contact. When did you start the podcast? That podcast came out on June 19th. Good timing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I so. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about the, the podcast and what it is and what it's about. Uh, tell you about Bapcast, a black and proud her story podcast. Yeah. Well, it is. Um, it came to be from me realizing that I really didn't know anything about anything. Mm. And I thought, Mary, you can know a little bit about something. So let's pick something. Let's learn about it. And it all kind of came to a head because there was all this racial reckoning. You know, you were there summer 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was an interesting time. Um, but this was a project learning more about black history that I had been tossing around in my head for a while. And a lot of it isn't um, cute and feel good. But a lot more of it is cute and feel good than like regular norm core history education would right. lead us to believe. 
You're um, are, so were you much of a history buff before? Was history no. like really your thing? Not really, but I did enjoy. Um, I listened to a p- couple of things you forgot about history mm. podcasts or like hidden history stories, mm. and um, I kept on hearing, expecting to hear more black stories, right? And I didn't. So originally, I just wanted to very passively learn more about black history and i tried to look for black history podcasts either they were like um really old like not current they did like one season yeah. or or the the host was a little bit dry and academic and i was like no i want to yeah. listen to someone who's more like me right <laughs> you can make it kind of like flirty and flouncy history podcasts can be kind of rough i mean i do like uh what's that guy's name uh, hardcore history, Dan something, but he mostly talks about like European history. Uh, for the most part, I listen to like the World War One, which just goes on and on and on. It's it's like a very intense podcast. Can yeah. I make a couple of recommendations? A couple of rec- podcast recommendations. Um, th- there is the Dollop, which is my one of my favorite podcasts. It's an American history show. Um, it's it is two white guys. They're both little, you know comedians, but <laughs> they do talk about like they did a, an episode about Stagecoach Mary, for instance. Okay, and they did an episode about Fred Hampton before you know the the Lucas Brothers made the uh, Black Messiah movie, and like you know like that was the first time I'd heard about it, you know, and like um, I. And the the um, what was it the move headquarters in Philly that got bombed like all of that stuff. Um, I think they did one about Tulsa, like you know. So like they do go there, and it's it's just history. A lot of it's just like goofy stuff or like real weirdos and crazy people from history. They just did a two parter on Billy Martin, who is the uh, he was a manager for the. Uh, New York Yankees, who was just this like unhinged fucking alcoholic, but he was like really good at what he did. And so, like, they do, you know, they vary a lot topic to topic, like sports and uh, uh, political figures and just fucking crazy people and like weird happenings and stuff Sweet. like that. Juicy um, history. But it's, it's very well researched and it also has, um, you listen to enough of it and you get this perspective on history um uh, you know it's a very lefty sort of perspective on labor and uh civil rights race relations um uh you know and just historical progress capitalism um colonialism and things like that that you know that we just don't get taught like these things just aren't taught to us and you know, what do you do once you're out of school? And, uh, you know, it's hard to learn about this stuff, as I'm sure you're aware. Like, once you uh, get out of school and nobody's forcing you to learn this stuff, and you have yeah. to just, like, do you that research on your, your own. do it on your own. And who has the time? It's really fucking hard. I had the time. So there's that one. Yeah. And there is this new one that just started, Halal Cartels. Uh, that's really fantastic. Uh, that's uh, Gabe Pacheco and oh, fuck, Samir Nassim, I think his name is. I just had Gabe on the show. He's really great. Yeah, um, I and, to that and they, episode. yeah, they talk about, um, you know, just just kind of, uh, I don't know, imperialism and uh, the third world, quote unquote, 
and uh you know what it's like being you know like uh brown folks in america and then being very aware of the history of uh this country and our the history of capitalism and colonialism and the effect it's had on other countries and you know it's just this whole roundabout thing where capitalism destroys these countries in the global south and then people come over from those countries that capitalism destroyed and take part in capitalism in the heart of the empire it's insane yeah so anyway it's a vicious chocolate vanilla swirl it's all pretty crazy so um how do you decide which um you know uh uh, figures to go with do you do you have like a did you make a list to start out with um, I did I did make a list um I read um a black woman's history of the United States by I totally know who it's by it's by two very talented you want me to look it up yes okay <laughs> We're just gonna look it up real quick. Uh, we can you, you can vamp real quick while. That is by Diana Ramy Berry and Nicole Gross. Is that correct? Is that who I'm? That's the one. That's ding, the ding, one. Ding ding ding! So good. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I read that, and I already was thinking like I don't know anything, and then I was more thinking I don't know anything after. I didn't know so many of the names mentioned in this book. And I started taking notes. Mm-hmm. And I also just started seeing like uh, things that I realized I didn't know. I was like, why can't I think of any famous like Midwestern black women? Like mm-hmm. like black women of the Wild West. There must have they must have been right. out there, which was how I like Googled and found um, Stagecoach Mary or like why aren't there any black women composers? Right. Um, and I looked up and found Florence Beatrice Price, um, who does not have an episode yet. But um, yeah, I just started to see like where the gaps were and being like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became very obvious why. It's all by design. And I get pretty hard on myself for not knowing things. But mm-hmm. then I remember like, no, I'm doing exactly what the powers that be decided I should be doing by not knowing anything. And you jump off of that track and teach yourself things sometimes. What was the original question? Uh, just the <laughs> process of uh, how you research the show. Oh, really. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's 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 well answered. I mean, you talked about this recently in the uh, Asada Shakur episode. And how you had this sort of moment of like almost parallel like relation to her realizing how miseducated you had been your entire life. And that happened to her, too. She just had this like visceral reaction against, you know, like very like pro-America, anti-communist, but like had no idea what any of that really meant or why or what the history of this country really was. It's it's all very I mean. I was given a pretty good education in all of that, but I could see where I chose to, um, I, I veered off into like an arts and humanities focus program when I was in high school. So I had like a really like badass history teacher who was telling us it was te- like more focused on teaching us about 
um, you know, the more like kind of Howard Zinnish uh, <laughs> perspective of history in this country. Uh, but before that, like I could have a hundred percent just graduated from high school, believing that, you know, uh, yeah, uh, there used to be slavery, but it was fine because Lincoln freed the slaves and everything was good. And then they marched for rights and that was fine and everything's fine now. And like, you know, it, it's, I forget who said it, but, um, we're always taught what racism used to look like and not what it currently looks like, Yeah, you know? And so that sets us up for this perspective. Like it's something that we've passed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's not. That's why I would highly recommend if you haven't read it already cast by Isabella Wilkerson, Mm -hmm. um, just basically breaks down our system of race and sees uh compares it to the caste system in india and how that really is how it actually what it is race doesn't mean anything except gives you context for like where people are placed value wise um and it's all just a matrix and we're all just living in it yeah i mean it's hard to reckon with because even i think uh more liberal-minded folks in the united states uh tends to up until fairly recently i would say up until like maybe occupy wall street or like the bernie sanders surge in like 2016 weren't super cognizant of the idea of class in america and how that that is as much of a dividing line as race Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um you know, a, a poor person, a poor white person in Appalachia uh, has not historically faced the same struggles as a, a black family living in Detroit. But socioeconomically, they're in a lot of the same like deep doo doo, yeah. you know, and and are just as ignored by the ruling class and actually have a lot more in common then they have differences. And that's the thing that I want more people to begin to realize. Absolutely. Um, that it's, that it's a, a, the question is not only of black or white or brown and white, but also rich and poor. And it's a whole nother yeah. uh, axis that gets added to the whole matrix. Yeah. White we people don't, we don't, don't have a monopoly on ignorance. No. Like I certainly was raised in a pretty affluent suburb. I was the only black person in any given space for mm. until I was in college. Um, and I got to be ignorant. And I'm really glad that I got to be ignorant because if I was growing up around all those white people and as aware as I am now, it would have been not a good time for me. I don't think I would have had a lot of fun. And I had a lot of fun in high school. Right. So on that note, let's uh, talk a little bit about your origin story. Uh, You know, who you are, where you came from, um, you know, give us some sort of broad strokes of of all of that. Yeah. So I am from Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. I was raised there. I was born um, in a suburb outside of Washington, D.C., and my parents both worked at um, in Washington, D.C., my mom at the Shakespeare Theater and my dad at the Pentagon. And then my dad. That's two very different. uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, they are two very different, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, um, yeah, my, my dad is, is very mu- much an academic, and my mom is very much a performer, entertainer, mm-hmm. um, 
And yeah, then my dad got a job in Austin at the LBJ school. Um, and my mom moved down originally. We all moved down originally intending for her to be a, a stay-at-home mom, very involved in the PTA. And then she got bored. So she went ahead and became a professor too. So I had two professor parents and, and uh, yeah. 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 And I grew up in Austin and then I went to school in New York and pursued acting. Um, didn't go with political science. Sorry, Dad. But um, yeah, growing up around theater people was really awesome. And growing and up backstage at the Shakespeare Theater in Washington, D.C. was pretty cool. When did you move to Austin? When I was seven. Seven? seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, enough to like get a little bit of a taste of of dc which is like i mean yeah. dc is i mean not the thing that most people think of first but it's it's i think the blackest city in america yeah um but it's not really seen that way it's seen as like you know the capital it's seen as you know capitol hill and all of this stuff uh because wouldn't you know it most of the black folks there get sort of ignored pushed under the rug you know and like and just sort of yeah it's crazy right um so but you said that you uh were mostly in a in a predominantly white high school Mm -hmm. um what was that like you know just being the uh uh, what's that girl's name from daria the the like the the one the black girl she's like the one black character um, she's like an overachiever and what's her name i'm not gonna remember it um but yes her I was not an overachiever, so I can't <laughs> relate to her right. on that level. Um, but it was fun. It was fine. I was totally chill with it. I mean, um, like, boys, of course, were not interested in me, mm. um, which could be a little tough as a high school. Because sure. I, I was so interested in them. Um, but other than that, everyone was nice. I, I, you know, they were like... Race was either something that was inappropriate or rude to bring up or a very funny joke. Like, there was no (laughs) in-between. Right. (laughs) There was no, like, let's have a serious conversation about race, which, big relief to me because I had no idea what to say about it. I didn't want to say anything about it. Um, But, yeah, yeah. I remember once, um, let's see, what are some fun situations I found myself in? Um, once in, in chemistry class, junior year, I was like joking around with my friend and all of a sudden he said something like, Mary hates white people. And someone else heard and was like, Mary hates white people. Mary hates white people. And like everyone in the class like said it at some point until the teacher was like, Mary, you hate white people. And you know, it was funny to them, but I like burst into tears and ran out of the room and went and cried in the bathroom. I was like, I don't hate anybody. Um, They tried to Lauren Hill you. uh, Damn. Of course, (laughs) of course they would. Was that a myth uh, prevalent in your high school as well that she like didn't, that there was like this urban legend, everybody I fucking talked to about Lauren Hill or the Fugees was like, well, you're not supposed to listen to her music because she said uh, that she didn't want white people listening to her music, which she never fucking said. Uh, I'm not sure anyone I went to school with had heard of Lauren Hill. Oh, um, you went like a white, <laughs> white high school. Okay. We at least listened to hip hop and like... Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I listened to Lauren Hill. Um, I had an older sister who had awesome music taste. And mm-hmm. so I was introduced to Lauren Hill. Via yeah. my sister, 
But um, yeah, I had never heard Lauren Hill played on anyone's um, car stereos driving mm. into the parking lot at school. Um, but uh, yeah. You yeah, had a story, I think it was also in the Asada Shakur episode about uh, tanning and, and or not wanting to get too tan at the beach, which is another like, I mean, I don't know, just a, a heartbreaking kind of portrait to me of uh, just race in this country. That's just I mean, you got black kids trying to not get too dark in the summer and now. 10, 20 years later, we have Ariana Grande. Yeah. And we the have the Kardashians. Fishes. You yeah. know, and, and it's and it's just like, uh, it's, I don't know. Culture What's going man. on? What a trip. What a trip. Race is such a farce, honestly. Yeah. And it, it shows when people are just trying to pick and choose what aspects of culture suits them and toss away the rest. Hmm. And... Yeah, where else was I going with race being a farce in this country? It's just so silly because I think about like God creating the universe and the stars and everything and being like, oh, I wish I had some intelligent beings to appreciate all this. So he put all this work into creating human beings and mm -hmm. giving them like awesome different traits, like get, making them different colors like he did everything else. Why am I saying he? <laughs> <laughs> see there it is uh, there it is the patriarchy rears its ugly head in my imagination um and um then was like okay awesome like they're really smart they're gonna really appreciate these stars and instead we were just like you look different no you look different well i'm gonna capitalize and make you a slave well i'm gonna go to war with you because you look different and right God just must have been so frustrated and like, no, look up, look up. Do you still yes. um, believe in God? <laughs> um, I believe that God lives within me. Hmm. You were raised you. Catholic, you said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I believed that God was like a man in the sky for a while. You had like the full on man in the sky, big white beard. Sure. All that. Wow. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. image. Yeah. Why not? Um, and then someone suggested that um, God lived within me. And I was like, you know what? That's better. That's a better place for God, I think. Because by then I had stopped going to church anyway. So I was like, well, God can't be there. It's boring. <laughs> yeah. Catholic mass? No, thank you. So boring. So boring. And I feel like I would still go to church if I was raised in a black church. Fun but, as hell. Mm, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah. I went to a black church one time. Uh, like my Sunday school, we did like almost like an exchange program with other, you know, churches in the neighborhood because we were like, uh, we were like the kind of, um, I don't know, hippie, progressive-y sort of church. And we're like, you know, we're, we want to embrace diversity in the religious community, blah, blah, blah. Beautiful. So we went over to a Catholic mass once. And we're like, this is a fucking snooze. And we went to some like Episcopalian thing, whatever. And it's fine. Um, and then we went to like basically the black church in my tiny Midwestern town. And it was a fucking riot. It was <laughs> so fun. Like, I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was very much... Uh, as a little white kid, it was 
the exact impression I had gotten of like what black churches were from like TV. Like, I don't know, like where I'd gotten it, like some uh, sister act or Karina Karina or something like that, where I was like, yeah, they like wear red robes and clap their hands and they get really like rowdy. And I was like, and I was like, yeah, they do. This is, this is fucking great. Like this, it was fun. There was like call and response and people were like having a time and the music fucking slapped. Like I was like, this is like I didn't want service to be over. Yeah, and I was like, "This is what it should be like." Yeah, this, is this fun. God is fun. This yeah. God is way more fun than white people's God. Yeah, no wonder. But you were like <laughs> in in the church. Were you like one of the only black families in the church as well? Yes, yes, we were. And I remember getting so embarrassed because my mother has a beautiful, strong, loud, proud singing voice, uh-huh. and was of course the most beautiful voice in the whole enormous congregation right but people would turn and look at my mom and i'd like be so embarrassed oh. which sucks that wasn't fair right because you're repressed catholics you're not supposed to have fun in church <laughs> or, like, sing loud or anything yeah yeah or really anything that drew attention to me mm-hmm. or like singled me out i like did not like like for the first 20 something years of my life I only did things that other people were doing I'd look around and be like are we doing this okay I'm gonna do it with fervor but only if we're all doing it right yeah um (laughs) let's talk about mental health a little bit um give it give us your history of uh you know mental health your 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 struggles your triumphs and tribulations with with anything uh in that realm Mm. yes um my struggles and triumphs with mental health. Um, I definitely would say I'm a very lucky person in terms of mental health. I'm a very optimistic person. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I can also very much accept that the world is ending. Sure. Um, but I try not to let it get me too down. Um, and, uh, yeah, I try to approach things with gratitude and openness. Mm -hmm. Um, my sister took her own life in 2011, 2011. And that had a very profound effect on me. Um, my whole family, obviously. It was yeah. the worst thing that ever happened to any of us. Um, not that it happened to to us. It's it's your experience. You lost somebody who was very right. dear to you, you loved. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah, it did happen to you. Yeah. And it's still a rare occasion for me to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, we've known each other for some time, and I did not know this about you. I mean, yeah. again, like this is not something that you like really, you know, want to broadcast necessarily. Um, but and and I'm, you know, thank you for uh, talking about this. Um, but uh, what did it? Did it come as a surprise? Was she troubled yes. before? Was there yes. like yeah? Um, it came as a surprise, but she was troubled before. Um, she was troubled before, but I never thought that what ended up happening. It never occurred to me as an option or a concern. I was 20 and very wrapped up in my own life, starting life in New York. And she was 
10 years older than me and so okay. we weren't particularly close i kept on thinking where did she like, live she lived in austin okay. and i lived in new york and um i kept thinking like oh when we're all adults all three of us girls me and my two sisters are adults we're gonna be best friends we just have to like i mean i didn't say we just have to make it to there it didn't mm -hmm. occur to me that we wouldn't but i was like we're all gonna be grown-ups and we're gonna be peers and we're gonna be best friends but we were pretty separate um like i definitely never called my sister kirsten to like chat mm. you know she's 10 years older than me um but yeah she, um, there was definitely tension sometimes between her and whatever relationship she might be in between her and my parents. There yeah. was some noise, some yelling. I remember specifically, um, when I was in sixth grade, I went to my first concert by myself with a friend with my dad waiting out like just outside of the venue um and when we were done my what friend was the concert? john the mayer <laughs> <laughs> wow and um unfortunately but of course john mayer did not fall in love with me and so i went home to continue my sleepover with my friend anna and we were in the living room watching TV and my mom and my sister were in this huge screaming match and not coming into the area where we were, but like walking around all over upstairs, yelling at each other, slamming doors. And I was just so embarrassed. And I kept on turning the volume on the TV louder and louder right. being like, notice that like I'm here with a friend, please. Um, and they never did. Um, my sister apologized the next day, but then I was like, oh no, am I going to be like the black kid who has like yelling at home? Right. <laughs> I was like, no. Um, and guys, don't you understand that we have like an image to maintain here? Yeah, uh, right? Guys, come on. kind of the only reps. Yeah. Uh, so much, so much pressure being the only reps. Um, found out later, yelling in the home, kind of a normal thing. Oh yeah, everybody does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's I don't very know. Normal. Yeah. Um, but because I didn't want to know anyone to know about the yelling in my home, in turn, I guess no one opened up to me about the yelling in their home. Right. We we're just so separate when there was so much that could have connected us. I know, right? bonded over. Come on, going on. So, um, when she, um, when she took her life, uh, what was the, the, I don't know, the reaction, um... I mean, other than, you know, shock and grief and all of that stuff. But like the takeaway, <coughs> excuse me, from that um, being like, OK, uh, am I crazy or is like is craziness in my family or like or like what what needs to happen now going forward? Um, Going forward, it was like this thing of. Life is precious and we all need to check in with mm. each other more. And you never know what is going on with another person. And, um, yeah, I definitely felt and feel, even though um, intellectually I know that I should not feel guilt. Yeah. But you gotta. I've been there. I've um, lost... Uh, 
one friend, I mean, um, one friend most certainly to suicide and a couple of, you know, other people in my life to like, they weren't exactly helping themselves. You know, they maybe didn't do it, do it, but they were getting themselves there. And, you know, the question always comes up in your head, like, why didn't I do more? Like, why did, why couldn't I have just like had a better relationship with that person? And, you know, like it's a, it's a natural reaction, but it's not on you. Like there's nothing you can do, you know? And this, a friend of mine, um, killed himself uh, when we had already like, I had already started this podcast. I had already done all this work and, you know, mental health and was, you know, really, I don't know, thought of myself as this big, like, I don't know, advocate for empathy and mental health and all of this stuff. And, uh, not that I'm like a fucking therapist or anything, but like part of me was just like, okay, so for all of my knowledge, all of my, you know, uh, talking to people and reaching out to people about their mental health and, and, and advocating for conversations about this stuff. I couldn't help this person, you know? So like, what good am I doing? And they they were like right here, you know, <laughs> they were like right in my orbit, you know? And it just fucking That's sucks. Scary. But like, what are you gonna, like, you can't like you, you, it's not, it's really totally not on you. It's the actions of another person. Yeah. But that's really tough. I have a lot of dreams. I've also had, um, I guess maybe it's it's a thing with high schools that are kind of rich. Mm-hmm. I, I've had lots of deaths um, from kids that I went to school with, kids that I was close friends with, um, involving drugs, alcohol, or yeah. um, depression, or some kind of combination. And um, it's to the point where we've lost so many people that every time me and my high school friends get together, we're like, okay, let's, who have we lost since the last time we saw each other? And right. what's the grand total now? And, and reminiscing. And, but also just like the numbers just seem so insane. And um, yeah, I can't help but think about like the power of a, a well-timed phone call. Like I'll, I'll never know how powerful that would have been um, with, with any of these people. But yeah, yeah. The tough thing is people make their own decisions. And I, but I have so many dreams about like physically wrestling, like the people I've lost, like trying to physically wrestle them back to the world of the living, just like latching on and like, come on, you're coming with me. It never works. There's this book um, by Adam Caton Holland called Tragedy Plus Time. It's about his sister who killed herself. Um, he's a comedian. He's, from, I think, from Denver. Um, and the whole thing is about, you know, you know what happens. Like, he tells you what happened in the first chapter and then just sort of resets the clock and goes all the way back through, like, his history and his life with her. And, you know, it's, there is this just sense of helplessness where you know what's going to happen and you know that no matter what he does, it's going to end up that way. And I think tragically, there are people like that in our lives that they're just 
fucking doomed and it sucks. And all you can really do is be there and love them and enjoy them while they're around and hope that you steer them in the right way because you can't, you never know when that moment is going to happen where they are just like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm slipping off this thing now, you know, you can't just like psychically know, like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, now I need to make a phone call, you know, to this person. I need to reach out now. You never know, like it'll sneak up. You don't know when it's going to come. So, you know, again, like when it comes to like me trying to pat myself on my back for like being this like really emotionally intelligent person and then, you know, people die around me anyway and it seems so preventable. Like... Okay, like, wh- what are you, what are you supposed to do? You know, what are you supposed to do? You just got to keep on living. Yeah. This has to be a thing. I mean, I know it's a thing with, um, you know, with therapists who lose patients, you know, uh, to, to suicide, um, and, you know, or, or to addiction or whatever it is. And it, you know, has to just feel like, well, then what am I what am I, what good am I doing? But you have to look on the other side of that and just think like, well, you don't know the amount of people who you have maybe pulled back from the brink at some point, you know, you really don't. So, you know, for every person who you lose, there are hopefully a lot of other people who, you know, you helped and that's about all you can walk away with. Right. Hopefully. And um, you, so you do. You do photography. Is sort of I the. Um, I mean, when we met, I think that's that was sort of your main thing, even back then. And now it's you know it's I mean it's still it's been, it's been your it's been your main thing yeah. for a while. Um, and to where I was kind of surprised that you were even like doing a podcast. I was like, oh, she she takes pictures. I didn't know she was. A, <laughs> I don't know. She was a. I don't know. She was a talker, a talking person. Um, so, um, but you also have talked about how it's really hard for you to promote yourself. And uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, your struggles with that, and you know, imposter syndrome, and 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 all of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I don't even know if I'm really. Well, I mean, I am bad at promoting myself but I'm almost like did I make myself bad at promoting myself because I kept on telling myself I was bad at promoting myself when did this start um because and I think it's a lot of things in general like posting on social media stresses me out Mm. and I generally don't tell people that because I feel like they won't believe me because I do it anyway um but not in just enough to stay relevant. Not that I'm relevant, but, you know, to participate. Um, But it always stresses me out. And I think it's like part, uh, like maybe at some point when I was younger, someone might have accused me of wanting attention, which I don't know if you've ever been accused of wanting attention, but I think of someone saying like, you're just doing that for attention. You just want attention. And it's like a, and I can't remember who said it. Um, 
Right, but it sticks with you. Or like, like really... maybe it wasn't even me. Maybe maybe someone else was being accused of wanting being attention seeking. And I was like, I hope right. no, no one thinks that of me. All you need <laughs> to do to shame somebody is to just hold up an example of what someone shouldn't be like and just point to that. It doesn't even necessarily the finger doesn't even necessarily have to be pointed at you. That's what I've learned. Yeah. You just make a bad example out of somebody else. Exactly. Like, oh, look at this person. There's just like, you know, this this dude is like really weak and doesn't like sports and he's like a little pussy ass bitch and like you don't want to be like that if you're a guy oh this girl like she uh you know she's she's real skanky and a slut and like you don't want to be like that if you're a girl and like it doesn't necessarily have to be you like this person's really fat this person's really weird like you know like but so long as you know that that is a parameter that you don't want to step outside of otherwise you will be ostracized that's all it that's all it fucking takes. Exactly. Exactly. But doesn't everybody want attention? I know. And yeah, maybe, attention's fucking maybe great. Attention. Yeah, I don't know. But what, yeah, if, so, what if you are just doing this for attention? Who gives a shit? Me, I guess. <laughs> but why? Why? I don't know. I don't know, Brad. I wish I could tell you. Um, but is that even why? Um, let's see. I'm also thinking about like me in high school when... I never wanted to stand out. I just wanted to be included. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm i not coming for your spot at the top or in the front. I just want to be part of it. I want to help contribute to the overall vibe. I'm not trying to make it my own thing. I you promise. don't want to main character it. I, I'm not trying to main character it. I want a strong supporting character. Mm-hmm. This. This life of mine <laughs> in high school. Um, so, yeah, it seems like anything... Anyone else was doing, I didn't want to do, I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to bring attention to myself or seem like I was so cool. Um, Also, another very formative way in which I was like, I won't say traumatized. I need to find a different word for it. Traumatized is maybe a bit of a strong (laughs) word, but I get what you're saying. Um, Yeah, impacted. Sure. Was when I was in gymnastics when I was like four or five and I had just gotten beads in my hair. Mm-hmm. I was maybe like shaking my head around a little bit to hear the beads click together. Yeah, it's the coolest. There's no greater pleasure in life. Yeah. Um, and this white girl like turned around and said, you think you're so cool because you have those beads in your hair. And I was like, yeah, bitch, I am. Damn. I mean, I should have had right. that energy, right? I had the opposite of that energy. I was like, I have displeased this girl just right. by, I wasn't sure about my motivations behind shaking my head. I had never really considered whether or not I was cool. I'm right. I'm a toddler. So <laughs> yeah. but then I was like, oh, I must never, ever think I'm cool. <laughs> One of my um, least favorite things that anybody does is to like, point towards somebody like really feeling themselves and be like look at this fucking chump and it's just like fucking let them like let them like if you're laughing at somebody who's dancing or fucking singing in their car or doing whatever posting thirst like really just like feeling themselves in some way that is public then like you should congratulate that person because Mm. that's that's like we should all be so lucky as to like have a minute where you're like yeah i'm hot shit Everybody deserves to feel that. Exactly. I, I mean, like, you don't seem to tweet much. Um, but just this morning, um, Twitter got rid of their fleets, you know, which was basically just their Instagram stories. stories. Right. Um, they just wasn't working out. And they were just like, yeah, fuck it. We're just going to. Nobody was using this because we were all just like, yeah, we already have stories. We yeah. already like this is too much. <laughs> this is not what this app is for. 
So it didn't work. But everybody kept making the joke like, hey, we're going to we're all going to post nudes on the last day. Right. Because it's all going to get deleted. And like and like I was honestly scrolling through everybody's <laughs> fleets to see if anybody was actually going to like like post titties or post hog. Um, and some people did. And I was like proud of everybody who actually did post a nude or post like something really thirsty or racy because I was like, hell yeah. Like I don't even want it. I like, I don't even necessarily want it to be like hot. I don't want it to be like, uh, salacious or titillating. I'm like, I'm not looking to like jerk off to my mutuals, you know, uh, thirst traps. I'm just like, I'm here to just like cheer them on. Just be like, hell yeah. Post that hog, bro. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's great. Like I, I want to cheerlead for people who just like feel themselves and 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 are uh, uh uh happy with themselves for a moment. That's all. Like that's all we fucking. That's all we get. Yeah. That's all the point of social media really is, other than mining our data and helping you know uh big corporations sell us more shit. But like really, what it's about is about us fucking just enjoying ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what it should be about. I agree. And that's what it used to be about for me. I think something that messed me up was when I started to gain a little bit of a following. And then I felt like the same kind of responsibility that I started to feel like being the only black kid in my classes. I was like, oh, I have to set a good example. I can't just be like, this selfie is hot. Even though my selfies are hot. I have such a backlog. Years of selfies (laughs) that I didn't post because I was like, no, I should be contributing something real you're both if i may say so a very good looking person and a good photographer so i'm sure you have like smoking hot pics like you must yeah and i have pics of my friends i have pics from events i have pics you've taken very flattering pictures of me thank you and i've been wanting to post them um so yeah so this might sound like a loaded question did you ever when you were a kid did you wish you were white in order to blend in did i wish i was white did i wish i was white Mm, no, mm. I think I wished that I had like straight hair sometimes. Mm. Um, my hair is in locks, sister locks, yeah. which are like tiny, adorable the dreadlocks. The, yeah, little, the, the little, little shoestring ones. ones. Yeah. Um, and so my friends would come over and be like, do you have a hairbrush? And I'd be like, what would I do with The that? fuck is a hairbrush? <laughs> Um, and then they thought I was a freak. No, they didn't think that. But I could, I did get like a lot of dumb questions and a lot of invasive like sure. kids always pulling my hair, asking if I was born like this, like it was a it was a birth defect or something. Right. And does it hurt when when you pull it? And do you wash it? How? Right. And like none of the answers to those questions are very interesting. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I maybe I maybe wish that I wasn't because it was just something that set me apart. You know, I just didn't want to talk about how it was different, but it seemed like every day there'd be some comment about I don't know, some yeah. some dumb joke. And I would have to laugh before anyone else did to show that I'm like game and down and cool and like right. no one has to feel weird around me because I think it's funny too. <laughs> right. Um but no. I don't think, I don't think I ever wished I was 
white. I wish I was. Or did you white. wish there were like other, <laughs> other, like other black kids in the school? Like maybe yeah. like more of a uh, representation, be, maybe cool. more of a, a ratio. That would have been really cool. That would have been maybe. Yeah, I think we averaged maybe like a generous 2.5 black kids per grade um, wow. in a school of like 2,000 kids. Yeah. Um, That's wider so, than my high school, and I grew up in Nebraska. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Texas. My mom sang very beautifully in church, and I sang very loudly and proudly and beautifully in middle school choir. Right. And kids would be like, you're a really good singer. And I'd be like, thanks. And they'd be like, is that because you're black? <laughs> and I didn't know. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dang, like pretty much everyone in my family can sing, and they're black, except my dad. Uh, maybe most most <laughs> black people. I don't know. Sing. Maybe it couldn't hurt. <laughs> or maybe he does I, sing. Maybe he know. just chooses not to. I right. don't know. Um, and yeah, but I just didn't like that. Again, it was something that set me apart. So come high school, I didn't sing in choir. <laughs> oh. I was like, I just don't want anyone commenting or asking any questions like that. Right. Yeah. You just tried to be as kind of uh, invisible, I guess, as possible. Yeah, hard to do. Right. Hard to do. (laughs) But I tried it. How have you found ways of of working around that or pushing through that sort of anxiety to not stick out too much? Um, Living in New York helped immensely, has Mm. helped immensely. (laughs) Um, And... I guess I'm also just still trying to push through it. Um, We started talking about um, social media and Mm -hmm. how I suck at posting on it and self-promoting, which is so boring. Isn't that boring, Brad? What, the sucking at posting it? Yeah, I don't know. It feels... it's, It's like at odds with like... What I, I don't know. I just don't seem like the kind of person who would, to me, get nervous about posting on social media. Mm-hmm. But it really just, I don't know. It feels phony a lot of the time. Yeah. It's its phony a lot of it the is. time. It is. But that's a, like, you know, like I, I, I know what you're saying. Because I, I've had this same sort of anxiety. Maybe not from the same place, but... Uh, a similar feeling that uh, I'm being too self-involved or that mm-hmm. I'm being too uh, self-indulgent uh, by posting on, on you know, whatever social media platform or by mm-hmm. promoting this show or by doing any of that stuff. Like I mean, coming out of film school uh, and being on Facebook in the, you know, early 2010s, um, it was obnoxious and it was annoying to like just the networking aspect of Facebook and meeting people at parties and like, yeah, I'll friend you. And then you're like, then you're subjected to just like all of their updates that are about their stupid fucking web series and their stupid fucking Kickstarter. And like, you just get tired of it. But you know, it's, it's really hard to not get jaded and not to just feel like one among a billion other delusional people. Right. Who are just promoting the shit out of their mediocre stuff. But at some point I had to just like the way I worked past it was like, so be it. I I will be. I am going to just be the guy who is uh, 
just promoting my mediocre projects on social media. I'm going to just like make my tweets that I think are really funny and get like two likes. I'm gonna whoa, Dottie. Dottie has input about this. It's mama, silly. Dottie. Dottie. She lives here. Silly dog. Anyway, like come here. Come here. Hey. Hey. It's okay. All right. I know. Um I lost my train of thought. But like I guess what I my remedy for that was to just embrace mediocrity. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> to just yeah. say like if I am going to just be some uh you know, grist for the social media mill. If I'm going to just be uh, just one among a billion voices screaming into the void, like notice me, make me matter in some sort of way, then so be it. It doesn't really take all that much time out of my day for me to make a post. Yeah. And maybe people will like it and maybe it'll lead to something that connects. Exactly. Certainly more so than not doing any of that will lead to something that connects. Um, and I do like connection. I do like connection. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just got to do it. Yeah. People always be talking about black excellence. Where's the black mediocrity? Okay. (laughs) I could, I could be it. I could do it. (laughs) I think that would be just like a great Instagram account to start. (laughs) To start. Black mediocrity. Yeah. Black mediocrity. Let's, you know, just talk about the other side of all of this stuff that we're trying to, you know, uh, uh, gay divorce, you know, like, cause let's, let's talk about how like shit doesn't work out and, and gay folks, I'm glad they get married, but now they're getting divorced too. Happens. Yeah. Happens. Cause that's part of marriage. That's life. Yeah. You know, and like, let's, <laughs> that's hey. part of marriage. It is. It is part of 50% marriage. Of I mean, statistically, 60, it's, yeah. it's, hey, Dottie. oh my God, she's being really annoying. Hang on. Hey. Hey, excuse us, folks. Dottie. Was there a moment of resolution with um, I'm going to uh, start promoting myself more. I'm going to start putting myself out there more, or has this just been sort of like a slowly incremental increase? No, no. (laughs) So like when I was coming out with the podcast, I was like, okay, I worked hard on this podcast. My producers have worked hard on this podcast. The The whole point is that I want more ears to hear these stories and brains and hearts to know them. Mm-hmm. And so on behalf of these strong women who I am covering, I must put my all into this. And then I was like, or maybe I could just put it in stories like put every other episode in stories maybe i don't have to go too hard about it maybe i can wait until season two to go really hard which is really dumb and frustrating and embarrassing because i think it's i think it's good i'm proud of it um and i think it's important and i've gotten great feedback on it um i don't know i i think also part of me I think is always afraid of getting in trouble. Mm. Like, 
you know, when when the girl was mad at me about my beads, it was yeah. ultimately like, oh, I'm I'm in trouble now. <laughs> like I've displeased someone. And I worked in in social media for a while. I would get in trouble in ways that surprised me. And I got in trouble when I first moved to Austin and was suddenly the only black kid in my class in ways that surprised me. And um, I was in this really intense uh, secret uh, girls group on Facebook that was really hardcore um, woke, I guess, and would cancel a member on the spot. And I saw people get canceled in ways that surprised me. I was like, listen, I need to pay really close attention to what I'm saying, tread lightly, because I'll get in trouble and be taken by surprise. I one of my biggest fears is accidentally committing a felony and going to prison for the rest of my life. Um, right. Yeah. When the pandemic was happening, my husband was like, "You should be on unemployment," and I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> it seems like just a way to get me to mess up and go to prison for right. the rest Welfare of my life." Welfare fraud or something like that. Yeah. On accident. Um. So yeah, getting in trouble, saying the wrong thing. Yeah like really scares me and that's that's no way to live because I feel like I have things to say I have stories and insight to share um it just hasn't always felt super safe and I think that a big part of that is just like a story I've been telling myself for a long time and it's lame and I gotta get over it yeah like a big reason I don't really post much on Facebook anymore is because like I'll be talking about I don't know, politics or something. I'll just like make some sort of post about how like, I don't know, I'm glad Donald Rumsfeld's dead or some shit like that. And and then some fucking guy who like I even forgot who I had friended, who like I haven't seen in like 10 years was just like, hey, that's really not cool. And like some like, and, like do I respond to this fucking person? Like, I don't want to, like this was just some harebrained half thought that I spat out you know, while I was taking a shit, like, I don't, I did not want this to descend into, like, a fucking 24 thread uh, argument on, on Facebook. I I don't have the energy for this, which is why, like, I, you know, like, yeah, I I feel you. The, the anxiety of uh, not knowing where it's going to come from and feeling like you're walking on eggshells. Um, and you know, I don't want to be one of the, like a, like anti-woke, like they're trying to cancel all the white guys thing. But like, you know, I, I am very aware of the amount of privilege that I have and that I should probably choose my words pretty carefully, you know, and that's, that slows you down when you do have to also sometimes shoot from the hip. And if you're making a podcast, you have to just talk right off the dome and sometimes things won't come out right. And you know, I, you, I you, hope that we think I'm talking off the dome. In uh, my pod? No, because I, cause you're, you're, you're reading off of a, it sounds like you're reading <laughs> off of a, yeah. I was like, Oh no. Do people think that I'm not, heavily writing this <laughs> no it's it sounds it sounds like you're yeah i mean okay. like when you are adding uh parentheticals when you're adding uh just sort of like sidebars and jokes in there um you know like 
I, yeah, it's just like, oh, this is part of the script too. Like it's, <laughs> you know, the, yeah. there is, you know, I can, I can tell, but like, that's okay. It's, it's, you know, um, that is just how you, like you're how many episodes in? Eight, yeah. So, like, you are literally just starting, and you're just finding your groove. voice. You're yeah. just finding your groove. So, if it's if you're right now uh, not quite able to like veer off the script that you're reading right in front of you and get back to it, that's totally fine. That takes a long time to get comfortable doing. I'm barely good at that and this is episode 96 something like this of this show and you know like even if i'm just like recording my intro like i'll have my notes uh of like you know the bullet points of what i want to talk about but the amount of starting and stopping that i have to do and re-recording my intros i should just hand my raw footage uh my raw files over to you and just have you listen to the amount of times where like i'm like welcome to self worse this is a podcast fuck and like <laughs> the amount of times that i've had to do that like it's part of it like yeah. you're just it's a learning curve so um you know when you're just putting things on air unedited like the idea of um even like doing this show doing it live or um doing it on video where i i, I have more to like cut because i've already made a couple of notes in here of like segments like parts where it's never anything you've said it's always where sure. like i trip up and i'm i'm like uh kind of ran out of steam or lost my train of thought there and i like will write down the time code um mm. that i have uh you know not to like really pull back the curtain too much into my process but like i'll write down like uh, i got a little awkward here this minute mark and i'll just edit around that um but the idea of doing it live where you have to just sort of like sit on air and just like deal with like a moment of dead air where you're like collecting your thoughts and don't know what the conversation is going to terrifying say like, like it's terrifying terrifying yeah i don't know how anybody does it i don't know how people on radio do it i don't know how you know like i have like a whole new respect for for radio people and for uh even like late night people i've been watching a lot of there's a a pluto station you know pluto like the pluto pluto tv app Mm -hmm. um there's a Carson one that's just all Johnny Carson, uh, just like f- through the various eras. And just watching how smooth he was just as an interviewer mm. is just insane. Like I was just a little too young. Like I started watching TV like right when Letterman started. Mm. So like, you know, if I was to like kind of look to them for any kind of inspiration, you know, for like how to conduct a interview a conversation with somebody um you know he was just a little bit before my time but like man one suave dude you know well you were really good at this thank you thank you i appreciate that but like i always i'm worrying that i'm talking too much I'm worried that I'm not talking enough. See, may, like, talk more. What else are? Do, <laughs> well, it's say so, more things, Mary. So, I'm out of so questions. Nice. It's so nice because I've I've been listening to your voice a lot uh-huh. lately, 
and it's nice to hear it and see it live and it's um and and this is tough this vulnerability podcast i was pretty nervous about it you were yeah wow well i I think you i think you've been doing pretty good you've been doing pretty good it's you know i know i know like i say this to like uh, most everybody who comes on the show uh that this is a big ask to you know come on here and uh you know talk about some of the most uh traumatic horrible things that have happened to you uh publicly uh sometimes you know in some cases it's with people who uh, like i barely know you know like sometimes i'm asking people who i have had one conversation with to come and talk to me about how they were sexually assaulted you know like i don't know how i get this out of people sometimes but it's like people are game to talk so long as you just like make it sound like it's gonna be a i don't know a safe space and you're not gonna try and like fucking gotcha them you're not gonna try and like you know make an asshole out of them and that you're on their side like that's all that really matters yeah i I really feel like you've been rooting for me and i don't feel at all gotcha Good. Yet. I'm glad. Okay. Here <laughs> okay. comes the gotcha. Uh. No. Um. I, I. I don't know. Like honestly, we're we're at about an hour here, but we're already. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much I wanted to say. Say more. Um. Can I sing it? Yeah, you can sing it. I'm not gonna sing it. Um. Well. Wait. What else? What else did I say? Could I talk about how else did white people traumatize me? <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of that. There's plenty of that. Um, no, but really. Um, a lot of... Yeah. I think another part of why I am so shy about sharing the podcast yeah. or anything... Because um, really, I think... Um, that social media job that I had kind of messed me up because, again, got in trouble in ways that took me by surprise. Would send an email that I thought was fine. Yeah. And then I was called into an Oh, office. my God. That's the fucking worst. <laughs> this feeling, like the the heart sink of just yeah. like, Mary, we need to talk to you about this. Yeah. Like, like that feeling. Oh, my God. I had... Uh, one job in particular it wasn't even like a very high stakes job. It was just the, like basically a thrift store, and the amount of times like I would like had to be like called into meetings about just like so you messed this up and like this is gonna be an issue and like it just it, for like basically a minimum wage job that was just like I don't fucking I, okay I don't know why I'm having like. I had just begun to work on my anxiety, you know, like, oh my God, the yeah. anxiety. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, And it turned out, you know, I learned while working there, there was a very formulaic way in which we were supposed to speak to clients. Yeah. Um, And if you didn't do that, you got in trouble. If there was a typo in your social media post, you got in trouble. Anyway, I had a supervisor who would read at the beginning, read over my emails before I sent them out. And I don't know, something about that stuck with me. Like I will read, oh, I was kind of like that before this because my job before I worked in that, at that digital marketing agency, I worked in interior design PR. And my boss there was also very, like, you know, 
your emails have to come correct. (laughs) And if they weren't, I was in big trouble. So yeah, I get even just like texting you Mm -hmm. today, Mm -hmm. I would like text out the thing. And then it also helped that you don't have an iPhone. Yeah. So I was like, he won't see me typing. He won't know that I texted this and then let it sit for a little bit and then went and revisited it and make sure it was still the text I wanted to say. Right. <laughs> and then send it. Right. Um, but yeah, I do that with like basic ass emails. Like I don't, I just have to read over everything a billion times and mm. it'll take me, like when I'm emailing my producers, bless their hearts, like Sometimes it'll take me like three days to respond because I'm like, okay, I didn't respond immediately. So now this email has to be really good. (laughs) And I'm like, how do I make a basic ass response email really good? And then it's been three days and I'm like, I just have to respond to this email. Right. Um, You know, like I said, white people don't have a monopoly on ignorance and I was very ignorant. So it was clear (laughs) when I was hired at this digital marketing firm that I was hired, one of my accounts was a black celebrities hair care brand that was new. And I was brought on to lead it because I'm black. Mm-hmm. And- um, Wait, what? It was, I know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I was supposed to know things about black hair and I was also, I doubled as a, a model for one of the products, edge control gel. Are you familiar? No, that sounds like something else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. Okay. <laughs> it is edge control gel uh-huh. for one. For hair. oh, the, like the baby for hairs. The, yeah, the baby, the baby hairs. hairs up front. Okay. I had yeah. never heard of edge control gel. I asked the people on my team working on this content creation project. Um, what's edge control gel? How does it work? They said, you use it to put the front of your hair down. I was like, okay. Um, so they were like, okay, so yeah, go up. We'll record you using the product. So I squirted it into my hand, rubbed it together, and just like p- wiped <laughs> it onto my hair going backwards from my forehead. Right. And we sent that video to the client. Um... The client luckily did not know that the clueless model in the commercial was also leading the account and sending (laughs) this material to the client. Um, Anyway, our contact said. Right. So they were just like, who, who, what, what white idiot directed this (laughs) thing? Like, don't they know how to use edge control gel? Like, why'd they make this poor girl put this in her hair like that? She looks so awkward. Go against all her morals and all the things she knows about edge control gel. Didn't anybody ask her? Didn't anybody that's ask the thing. her? That's the thing when I see like some horribly racist t-shirt or ad or whatever yeah. goes to print. And they're like, this is what happens when you don't have a black person in the room uh-huh. at the table making these decisions, putting in their input. And I just imagine whatever black person was maybe in that room being like, I'm sorry, you guys. You know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. Right. <laughs> black <laughs> people don't know everything about everything. I'm sorry. Um, but no, that was just sloppy on my part. I should have. You know, even if I'm not good at knowing black hair care products, I could use Google. I could be good at my job, you know. (laughs) Um, But I wasn't. But that wasn't why they fired me. They fired me because um, of budgetary 
issues. Sure. Yeah. It I mean, happens. that's, that's, I mean, last that's, one in, first time out, first yeah. one out. That's what they told me at least. I mean, that's literally everybody in our generation has been canned due to budgetary. You know, like we are not a generation who, like, we don't work at the same place for our whole career. That I don't know anybody who does that. No. So, you know, it's it's just not a it's not yeah. a thing that we fucking fine. do. And then because I got let go of that job, I got to um, take some time to reassess and start taking my mm-hmm. photography more seriously. Um, so that's good. And even though I suck at self promoting. Still got some solid work there before the happening. Right. Um, that whole thing. Yeah. Back yeah. It. It's, I mean, getting in trouble is one of my biggest anxieties. And I'm not even sure why when I really think about it. Because you didn't have strict parents or anything. No. And also... Nothing that bad has happened to me from messing something up, you Mm. know, like even if I do mess up and get fired, which I have, I've been okay. Like clearly I'm still alive, you know, like it's, it's never been like this catastrophic thing that absolutely ruins my life. It's just, I mess up and I get in trouble and someone's mad at me. But the idea that somebody's mad at me, oh my God, especially if it's somebody who like I like, that's that's the worst. It kills me. Kills yeah. me every time. I go on such a spiral and mm. it it doesn't take much for me to be convinced that someone hates me. Mm. Um Yeah. Right. There's <laughs> the uh the, if all you need is for their mood to slightly change as you're talking to them and you're like, "Oh, I said something offensive yeah, and I ruined." I'm bad. I'm the bad yeah, one. I'm yes. bad. They think that I'm bad. Yeah. It's hard. Have you um, been to therapy? Have you worked on any of this stuff in therapy? I have not been to therapy. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I got to go. I I mean, I'm an advocate for it, but I'm not like an absolutist about it. I don't know. It's not a panacea, but uh, I think it does help. And I think that there is a lot that, you know, you could probably work on in terms of um, in terms of I don't know, letting your light shine, uh, so to speak. And, uh, and, and in terms of being less afraid of, uh, or facing your fears of rejection and getting in trouble and things like that. I mean, that's all there to be, you know, uh, picked apart in therapy with somebody who actually knows what they're doing, which disclaimer to the audience, I am not. So, yeah, well, I definitely want to become the star I've always been meant to be. And I don't know why I won't let myself be that. You should be the main character. You have every right to be the main character. I mean, look at this shirt. Yeah. No, you walked in here looking (laughs) fucking amazing. Like a zebra print with cool-ass glasses. Looking like Zoe Kravitz vibes. Looking fucking awesome. thank you. Oh, my God. Best compliment ever. She is so hot. Oh, my God. Do you think she's listening? Zoe, I love you. Yeah, what's up, girl? (laughs) Hit us up. You said this in the pre-interview. You've been told that you come off as robotic what's that about i have been told that um so when was the first time i was called robotic you have never struck me as robotic thank you Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me but go on um yeah well well i think it first happened when i was a freshman in college and my freshman year roommate was like my bff freshman year and um 
Then all of a sudden, she didn't talk to me for two weeks. Um, oh, wait, this was sophomore year now. This was sophomore year. We were BFFs freshman year. We lived together sophomore year. We shared a room that was like nine feet by nine feet, and she did not talk to me for two whole weeks. Um, I left her little notes. I tried to talk to friends to kind of figure out what was going on. You know, I'd say good morning to her in the morning. She'd just brush right past me. Mm. Um, and eventually it came out that she felt like she couldn't trust me. Like she thought I was a good friend to like go out and have fun with. But at the end of the day, she's exhausting trying to get to know me. She's tried so hard and it's just not working and she's exhausted. And I was like, damn, you know, I felt terrible because I upset her so much. Right. Um, but I didn't want were you trying to like replay it in your head that like you like had were you replaying it in your head like when was she trying to be like when did this happen because um yeah well i thought about it a lot well okay so when there is conflict like i i have no pride like i will just I just want to be forgiven. <laughs> I just want to be forgiven for whatever slight I did intentionally or unintentionally and move on. So I don't really think that I thought about it that much beyond that the fact that I had hurt her in some way. Um, but then another friend had like a similar complaint that I just seemed really guarded and... It was just hard to get to know me. And like a third friend had a similar complaint where like, well, a couple of friends like made fun of me like, oh, Mary, you don't like have emotions. You're a robot. Mm. And, you know, I'd be like, I, I have very deep emotions. And <laughs> I think I've kind of trained myself to like protect people from that. Sure. So it's like, no, I'm trying to protect you i'm trying to conceal don't feel don't let it show right now um did you ever see um x-men x-men mm, it's the one with jennifer lawrence first, first class. class yeah yeah x-men first class and there's darwin hmm. who's totally done dirty by this script adapt to survive right. the only black character yeah. other than aforementioned zoe kravitz and um He'll, like, adapt to survive anything. And, like, the um, the scene, his death scene where whatever, Kevin Bacon, bad guy, makes him swallow, like, raw energy and then he can't metabolize it or however it yeah. works. And he explodes, which is bullshit. Yeah. He's supposed to be immortal. But anyways, I, like, get that visual. Like, every time I'm, like, hit in the feels with something, but I'm, like, trying to protect the people around me. It's like I'm swallowing pure energy and it doesn't explode me so right. i'm i'm the real darwin well, not yet um <laughs> not yet who would have thought that a girl who is uh afraid her whole life of being too seen or of stepping on anyone's toes or of being coming off as too ridiculous or flamboyant or offensive or anything uh might be a little guarded around people and have a hard time expressing herself to uh, to, to, to friends. And, and people might think that she doesn't have much to 
say because she keeps it all in. Go figure. Yeah. It seems like those two things might be a little bit related, you know? Mm, this isn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that, that's just my guess. You can invite me later. Yeah. I, I, oh, man. <laughs> um, I did pick the wrong career. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I think I think you're right where you are supposed to be. Um, but I think that's a very good point. Um, yeah, and I thought about it and I was like, these also were three people who are very eager to um, talk about themselves, mm-hmm. which I'm not super eager to do. Like if I get the sense someone wants to talk about me, I'm a people pleaser, so I'll talk right. about me. But if you don't give me some kind of green light, I'm going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Right. And if that's you, let's do it. I'm game because I right. like knowing about people. Right. Um, but then it turns around and it's like you are you don't have real human feelings because you don't talk about yourself. I think that's my suspicion about what was really going on there. Um, but yeah, and maybe it does take a little bit of effort to get to know me. And they weren't willing to do it, so bye. Yeah. Yeah. But I did cry about it privately. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, if you're trained your whole life to be afraid of expressing yourself, then, you know, I, I don't know what people expect out of a shy person like that's that's how people become shy generally is they get the impression that they're not supposed to make too much of a a mark too much of an impression on anyone and that's too much of a fuss too much of a fuss um that also is like a hallmark of like black middle class people Hmm. it seems to be um you mentioned on a recent episode the 1776 project Mm -hmm. um and, God, there's this awful professor who works at the University of Texas. I don't remember his name, and I probably shouldn't say it anyway. I probably should say it, because fuck him. But yeah, some jabroni who is a black guy and so pro the 1776 Project. Oh and my, um, my parents and I were talking about him when we were on vacation together yeah. the other week. And um, his grandfather, he, he uh, this professor very business-minded, very successful in business, very wealthy, and his generational wealth. So he shared this quote from his grandfather that was like, I might not be able to vote, but I'm rich. And that seems like a common sentiment sometimes um, when black people reach a certain socioeconomic status or a certain level of... uh, welcome from white people white society the assimilation yeah it's like well i made it and i will show my gratitude by not making a fuss right black cops black conservatives yeah 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 it's a thing um yeah so i think that was a big part of it it's like i don't know where the other black people are but Mm. they're not at my high school so i'm just gonna sit here and be quiet because i feel like my welcome here is kind of conditional yeah subliminally no one ever threatened me but sure but they don't have to because you you know from history what happens if uh black people raise a little bit too much of a stink yeah well i didn't really know that much at all but i had a sense you had a sense (laughs) you know 
Yeah, I don't know. Like the way I've gotten past uh, shyness or shame um, in terms of putting myself out there was, I think, kind of similar to what you were saying was uh, in terms of you're trying to honor the subjects of your podcast. So to some degree, it's about them and it's not about you. You are a conduit through which they are, you know, to it, through which you are, I don't know, you're telling their story, right? And that's how I look at myself in terms of this show. Like, the idea that I'm attention-seeking uh, stopped me, made me hesitate for a long time from even doing this, from even starting this show. And the thing that sort of pushed me past the first few episodes where I was just like, is this too self-indulgent? Like, how can I listen to my own voice? Uh, am I going to be able to like stomach the way that I talk and really put myself out there and like do this on purpose for no money was to sort of tell myself or reach the understanding with myself that it's not about me. It's about putting these stories on the public record and, uh, letting my guests come and talk and uh, hopefully resonating with uh, an audience. Like it almost like I don't matter so much. It's about the podcast. The podcast is the baby. It's not me, you know? And so that's been my sort of approach to it. Yeah. I think that's a very good approach. And yeah, I want to make, Barbara Jordan proud. I want to make Stagecoach Mary and Asada Shakur proud. Um, and <sighs> yeah, it's just a lot of pride. I don't want them. I just, I want them to like the podcast. Um, most of them are dead. Um, yeah. So it's, <laughs> I want their estates to like the podcast. Sure. I don't want anyone to come after me and be like, this shit inaccurate. Um, I'm afraid of being an actor. You're afraid of being, yeah. But like again, see, that's a th again. Like you have like an extreme. You have a very intense anxiety about uh, coming off, uh, you know, of doing something wrong. Coming correct. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's. Yeah, but I gotta get over it. Life is too short. Yeah. If you can't beat fear, do it scared. Mm. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mary Dorn. Mary Aliska Dorn. Is that how you yes. say it? I'm sorry. I, I, I have not uh, said your your new married name. Uh, Thank you. It is actually Aliska? not Aliska. my married name. Oh. It is the name I've had my whole GD life. But... Um, <laughs> oh, that's that. you didn't take your, your husband's no, name? No, no. Okay. I, I, I just kept it. It's so patriarchal of me to assume I that know. you took your husband's how name. I'm dare sorry. you? Fuck no, me. it's fine. Um, everybody does because I'm I'm married and now I go by Mary Aliska. Right. For the longest time, the reason why I go by Mary Aliska professionally or I'm starting to now is because I kept my middle name a secret for like years. Hmm. Not really kept it a secret, but I didn't tell anyone and a couple of times I told people my middle name was Elizabeth because I thought that I had like a weird black middle name. Right. Um, but I looked it up like in the last couple of years and it's um, it's Czech. Hmm. It's like a Czech name. 
I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Weird. I thought it was a black name. Right. That's so... I mean, it was... Even if it was a black name, right. um, it was just weird that, again, I had never heard the name Aliska anywhere except in my own family. I was named sure. after my mom's favorite cousin. Um, but I was like, so it's weird and I can't tell anybody. Right. Um, but I love it, and it's the name of one of my favorite people, um, and it's unique. And I spent a lot of my life not telling people what it was. So my name is Mary Aliska Dorn. Mary Aliska Dorn. I will address you as such. Thank uh, you. Where can people find you and your work, your podcast, your photography, all of that stuff? Yes. Um, find my photography currently on www.marydornphoto.com if I have not yet gotten my shit together enough to update my Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, find my podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's Bapcast, B-A-P-C-A-S-T. Find me on Instagram at bk.bap. Um, bk.bap, that's me. Um, also on Twitter, bklow-bap. Um, as Brad said, I'm not really on Twitter, but maybe I will be more. Worth the follow. If you tweet at me. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you once again to Mary Aliska coming on the show. That was a long time coming. I should have asked her earlier. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I didn't know she was a, a podcasty person. I, I just I, I didn't put two and two together. Whatever. I did it now. Honestly, it's better that I did it now and not in the early days because I wasn't very good at it early in the early in the first couple of years. Oof. Go back and listen to those first few episodes or don't because rough. Didn't quite know what I was doing. Still not great at it, but I can kind of sound like a person somewhat I guess that's subjective music is by Shea Bartell once again you can follow me at Radical Pearson on Twitter and Instagram follow the show uh, at selfworst on Instagram email me selfworst at gmail.com Send me an email and uh, patreon.com slash selfworst. Help me out financially. Be my little pay pig. Dirty pay pig. Uh, that's all. Check out Mary and her work. Hire her to shoot your event. Do it. All right. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to turn the fan back on. I'm starting to sweat. Goodbye. Uh, oh, uh, sign off, I guess. I'm getting kind of tired of my sign off, honestly. I, I kind of want to do another one. Should I do another one? Anyway, for now, I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. <laughs>